Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this week's episode, I interview Rebecca Green, a fellow mental health therapist and author of One and Done, The Guide to Raising a Happy and Thriving Only Child, about the benefits and challenges of raising an only child. I interviewed many adult-only children for my book as well, and I asked them that question about looking back at their childhoods, did they feel that they had stronger uh, you know, higher quality, more enriching relationships with their parents as only children than if maybe they had siblings. And pretty much all of them resoundingly said yes, that they felt like even both as children and as adults, their relationship with their parents was incredibly strong. And most of them credit that to actually being an only child. And when you ask only children themselves, you know, who are kids and teens now, you know, what what are some of the things you like best about being an only child? Most of them say that I get mom and dad all to myself. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here on the show today. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Today, we are going to be talking about raising an only child and being an only child. And I'm excited to dig in because you just published a book um, and you are the author of the book, One and Done, The Guide to Raising a Happy and Thriving Only Child. What has it been like since you had this book published? How does it feel to finally have it done and share your knowledge with the rest of the parenting world? Well, it's been a fantastic experience. This book has been many years in the making. Um, I felt that I had a unique perspective as an only child myself and also as raising an only child and as a mental health therapist who works with kids, teens, and families. And so I felt I had a unique perspective on this topic. And I've also long felt that there aren't enough books on this specific topic about parenting an only child. There's lots of general parenting books out there. There's parenting books about siblings, about twins, but very, very few about parenting only children. And I'm in a number of groups online for families with only children. And I realized that there was such a hunger for more information and resources about this topic. So a few years ago, I decided to put together a book proposal and I uh, worked with Familius and spent over a year researching and writing and interviewing dozens of only child families around the world to get the most up-to-date parenting tips and practices on raising an only child. 
That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Uh, I can't wait to dig in more. I have so many uh, friends, clients, you name it, that are needing a book like this, that you know want more advice on what to do if their child is feeling lonely, let's say. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of that today, but let's start with some of the challenges that parents have when they're raising an only child. Um, can you share a little bit about that, of what things might come up that may not come up for other parents that have more than one child? Sure. I think one of the main things, especially when kids are younger, like elementary school age and younger, is the topic of socialization. So families with one child may be more interested than perhaps families with multiple children in making sure their children, their child has enough play dates. And sometimes this can be challenging because many moms of one child may feel like they're always reaching out to other moms to schedule and set up play dates. They might feel that sometimes it's all on them and it's not their efforts aren't being reciprocated. And sometimes that can be frustrating for parents of only children. Um, but you know, parents of only children in general, when I, when I interviewed the dozens of families, Pretty much all of them said that socializing their only child was very important on their list of priorities. So they were reaching out weekly or multiple times a week to try and schedule play dates for their child. And sometimes that can be uh, challenging because other families may not have the same need for socialization for their children because if there's multiple siblings, especially close in age, they tend to play all together. And this kind of leads into another um, issue about, you know, during the pandemic, Many families with only children, especially that first year, felt very isolated because, you know, a lot of kids' schools were closed for a year. My own son's school was closed for an entire year. So, you know, we, our only social interaction was just all the play dates I tried to schedule, you know, the outdoor play dates. But overall, I heard from many only child families that that was a very, very difficult year. And in some cases, their children, you know, they felt that were at a disadvantage because there weren't siblings in the home to keep busy with and play with during that difficult year. Um, so I think overall, it can be harder to find other families who want to do as many play dates as families with only children want, especially out in the distant suburbs. It's often easier in the larger metropolitan areas or closer in suburbs where there might be more families with only children in general, but sometimes in smaller towns or in the distant suburbs, it can be challenging to find uh, other only child families because usually only child families also want to schedule many play dates and have the same higher needs for socialization. So it would be great if only child families can find other only child families, but sometimes depending on geographical location, that can be challenging. Exactly. And, and I'm glad you brought up the pandemic because I do think there has been a lot of talk in general amongst parenting groups and like I said, clients and friends of mine that have um, only children on how children handled their mental health during the pandemic um, and how there was a, a sense of isolation that some of those children had, you know, when they didn't have those siblings, especially when we were all quarantined. And at the time when we didn't know a lot, 
kids were in their homes the whole time, you know, with their parents or, you know, maybe a single parent or whatever their family dynamic was. And there was that sense of isolation. I think that we all felt collectively as a community, as a country, as a world. Um, But, you know, honing in on those children, um, like you said, they, their sports practices were closed. Um, You know, their schools were closed. They didn't really have any type of outlet. And if you live in a neighborhood that didn't have a lot of children around it, you know, I, I can assume that was really hard. Um, do you feel like your your son has kind of um, thrived out of that? Or do you feel like that he went through some of that? And how did he come out of it? Or what advice do you have for other parents that kid, those kids still might feel that sense of isolation and haven't really adapted to even the world coming back on again? I think that, you know, it's really interesting because I work with a lot of teens and kids in my mental health therapy practice. And I think that a lot of kids are still dealing with the after effects of the pandemic. So in terms of uh, decreased social skills and a harder time just dealing with everyday social situations. And this is just kids and kids and teens in general, not just. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But I think that especially for the kids who were kindergartners, first graders when the pandemic started, it's been it's been a little bit of a rough adjustment back to school, even though it's been a few years now. Um, but my advice is just to, you know, if, if it's hard to find other families who want to do play dates, try to enroll your child in after school or weekend activities. Things that are more social in nature are great. So, for instance, uh, gymnastics, a sports team like a baseball team um, or a soccer team, an art class, um, any kind of social extracurricular activity or even Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, those are fantastic activities. Those are really great ways for kids to be around other kids regularly, make new friends. Um, And I always recommend that, especially for kids who are struggling to make friends uh, in their school. Yes, absolutely. I can't concur more. Obviously, working with children almost exclusively right now and with parents as well, I kind of do it collectively. Uh, I I can't agree with that more. I I think all children should have that sort of social outlet. And, you know, there is other even social skills groups out there. Sometimes they have them in the school. So if a parent wants that extra resource, they can always ask their school teacher or their principal to see if there's a social skills group at the school as well to help. Um, But I want to ask you a question. Now, some parents deliberately only have one child um, and only doesn't mean lonely. I I saw that you wrote that. Um, And sometimes it's because, you know, they can't get pregnant again, or maybe they had a child older um, in their life and, you know, they can't physically have another child. Um, and like I said, sometimes it's 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 a purposeful decision. But what do you advice do you have for a parent of one child that is constantly being asked why their child doesn't have a sibling? I feel like that comes up a lot, and I'd love to hear your perspective on that. And that's a really tough situation, but a very common one. It's one that happened to me all through the toddler and preschool years. Um, I have a few thoughts about it. First of all, one thing to keep in mind is that the questions especially the intrusive questions and the comments will start to trickle down and eventually stop when your child reaches around elementary school age. Because by then, you know, if you don't have another child, people, they, they tend to just stop asking. They assume that you're one and done. Um, but it's re- those comments and intrusive questions can really be at their height during the toddler and preschool years. 
And I know that for me, I tended to really kind of dread um, gatherings where I knew the questions would be flying. And I, I, I really mentally prepared responses that I wanted to say. And so that's my second piece of advice is if you know that you're going to a family gathering or a holiday gathering or some kind of like preschool type of gathering where you probably will be asked that question. And if it's a sensitive spot for you, rehearse a couple possible responses or comebacks that you feel confident saying, and also decide how much information you want to reveal. You know, do you want to just kind of shut down the question and let the other person know that that's not a topic you're interested in talking about? Or do you want to share a little bit about your journey to help them realize that those kinds of questions can be insensitive? So you may say something like, well, we've done several years of IVF and it's just not working out. Or you could say, we're happily one and done. You know, you can decide what kind of spin you want to put on it. But I, when I was interviewing families for the book over and over, I would hear parents complain that they were often asked those kinds of intrusive questions and, and it got them to feel really, um, you know, frazzled a lot of times because, you know, especially if people are one and done, not by choice, or if they've gone through a difficult or traumatic journey towards trying to have a second child that was not successful, those kinds of questions can be, you know, really hit on raw nerves. Absolutely. And I even got those questions um, when I had my daughter and it was about three years later when I had my son. But in that three-year time period, I got asked constantly, why don't you have another child? Or are you trying to have another child? And they were very, like you said, they were very intrusive. And, you know, there was times I indulged in more answers, depending if I knew them well enough. And sometimes, like you said, I just shut it down. And um, it can be very overwhelming for a parent, um, especially a mother, um, to hear those types of questions and almost feel guilt sometimes, um, because you can't, you know, have another child or, or whatever the case is. Um, but let me ask you this. When a parent deliberately chooses to have one child, um, what are some of the reasons why? Could it be maybe a financial decision, um, you know, or what other ways, um, you know, would a parent decide to have just one child? What are some of the benefits to that, I guess, is what I'm asking. Sure. So we would call those people one and done by choice. And so they have a variety of different reasons. For some uh, parents, they were only children growing up and they had such a wonderful experience that they want to have the same kind of family size and family experience for their child. Um, in other cases, they may decide that financially having one child is the best fit for their family because as we all know, especially with rising costs for everything these days, that raising even one child is incredibly expensive between food and education and activities, clothing, medical care, all of that adds up very quickly. So some families feel like they can give their child the best possible life and put all of their financial resources into one child, and that's the best choice for their family. Um, other parents you know, may have met and found their partner or their spouse, or decided to have a family later in life, uh, maybe, you know, in their late 30s or early 40s, and then they decide that due to maternal age-related reasons that having one child is the best fit for them. 
Other parents may have had a difficult pregnancy or a challenging pregnancy with some health challenges, and they make the affirmative decision that they don't want to go through that again, or their doctor advises them not to, so they decide to be one and done. And other parents didn't have a great uh, relationship with their siblings growing up. And so many of them, you know, those parents who aren't close with their siblings or estranged from their siblings might decide that they don't want their child to have that same kind of, you know, challenging childhood growing up. So they decide things would be easier if they just have one child. Um, so those, you know, and, and then there are some parents who have just other reasons, like they want to travel a lot and they feel like, you know, traveling is one of their family missions in life and they want to, you know, see and do all that there is around the world and that it is easier to travel with just one child than multiple children. Um, so really, you know, there are so many reasons. And when I was interviewing families for the books, I heard all sorts of diverse reasons for being one and done by choice. And then I also heard all of the reasons for being one and done not by choice. And so in my book, I really wanted to have a balance um, in terms of the discussion to include both sides. So both the families who are one and done by choice and one and done not by choice. I love that. I love that you balance that out as well, because there are just a plethora of reasons why um, a parent could be one and done. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about more benefits of being an only child or raising an only child, and also um, some more ways to raise a happy and thriving only child that you mentioned in your book. We'll be right back. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort, your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Okay, so the first half of the show, we talked a lot about why parents might choose to be um, an only child parent, um, and, and whether it's by choice or not by choice, you know, why they are one and done. So let's talk a little bit about the benefits of being an only child or the benefits of raising an only child. What are your thoughts and what did you write about in your book about that? Sure. Well, there are so many benefits of being and raising an only child. You know, I think I spent multiple chapters discussion, discussing that, but I'll, I'll highlight the, the most important ones now. Uh, and in no particular order, um, the first benefit is that parents can give their child their undivided love and attention. You know, some parents feel that if they had multiple children, they would be, they would be pulled in too many directions and especially if both parents work full time, they have limited time, you know, free time. And so they might want to devote all of their available time and energy to one child versus feeling more kind of pulled in too many directions or stretched too thin by, you know, giving their time and attention to multiple children. So that's one consideration um, for why families may choose to be one and done. Another, um, a, or a benefit, another benefit of having an only child is that there's no issues with sibling rivalry, sibling disagreements, sibling fighting. And a lot of parents I interviewed for the book had some really um, 
difficult memories of that growing up. And they said that, you know, they were always fighting with their sister and now they don't have a great relationship. So one benefit of having an only child is that you don't have to deal with all of that. Your home may be more quiet. It may be more peaceful. You don't have to hear sibling fighting or sibling squabbles. And some parents, especially those who are more introverts, who really value their solitude and their downtime, they may want a quieter, less chaotic home. And so that could be another benefit for raising an only child. Um, Another benefit for raising an only child is just that it may fit some families' lifestyles better. So for instance, a family who lives in a um, small condo in a large, you know, in a big city, like let's say New York City or Los Angeles or San Francisco, and they want to stay in the city because of the cultural benefits and just, you know, being in all of the fun, fun and amazing things that you can do in the big city, you know, they may decide, well, we can't afford a larger place in the city or a townhouse. We're happy with our two bedroom condo. And it just fits our lifestyle better to, you know, just be a family who lives in the city and has one child and we can devote our other resources to enrichment activities, travel, that kind of thing. Um, So those are a few benefits that I can think of just kind of off the top of my head of, of some of the most common benefits that families talk about when they think about raising an only child. I love those. And it comes back to something someone said to me once. Uh, It was an adult child who had, I think they were the fifth sibling or they had five other siblings, something like that. But it was a big family with lots of siblings. And me coming from a smaller family, I said, oh, that must be amazing. You have all these, you know, big family get togethers. You have all these siblings to hang out with and this and that. And they turned to me and they said, Well, yeah, but our parents really didn't spend a lot of time with us one-on-one because they were so busy raising all of us that we didn't really get a lot of dedicated time with our parents. So they didn't really feel that close connection, that attachment between parents. And I know, and you know this as well, and everyone who's listening knows this, that there are no perfect parent-child relationships. There are going to be, let's say, arguments between parent-child. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be issues. However, I can only assume another benefit, you lightly touched upon this, and you can tell me if you disagree or if you have more research on it that proves this point, that the attachment between an only child and a parent, I can assume it it, it being really... Um, beneficial, like really good because they get to spend so much time together and really connect on such a deeper level. Um, do you find that? And did you find that in the research and when you were putting your book together um, on just the uh, increased attachment maybe when, you, when you're an only child? Absolutely. And, you know, I, re- I interviewed many adult-only children for my book as well. And I asked them that question about looking back at their childhoods, did they feel that they had stronger Uh, you know, higher quality, more enriching relationships with their parents as only children than if maybe they had siblings. And pretty much all of them resoundingly said yes, that they felt like even both as children and as adults, their relationship with their parents was incredibly strong. And most of them credit that to actually being an only child. And when you ask only children themselves, you know, who are kids and teens now, you know, what what are some of the things you like best about being an only child? Most of them say that I get mom and dad all to myself. 
And so only children are spending a lot of quality time, you know, either with the one parent or both parents. And that can just be such an incredible, incredible bonding experience. And, you know, for myself, uh, my son, who is in elementary school, we have a special mother-son um, activity evening where we go out to dinner and we do something that he wants to do. And that's a family tradition that I started. And I just think that's going to create such wonderful memories um, for him of just spending, you know, every week, same night each week, um, just an evening, mom and son doing, you know, activities that he wants. So just things like that. I think there's more time and energy available um, for only child families to make those special kinds of memories. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I know people may not be able to see me, but hopefully they can hear me smiling from ear to ear right now because, you know, as a therapist who specializes working with parents and children, um, a lot of times when parents come to me and say that their child is having behavioral challenges, my one of my first questions I ask is how much one-on-one time are you spending with, you know, your children? And a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll say, you know, for a parent, let's say, who the mom or the dad or whoever was, you know whoever the caregivers are set up in the home um are you spending time with just mom or just dad or with your sibling one sibling two sibling three etc and i had a only parent child or only only a parent who had an only child come to me and say well i don't need to worry about that because i only have one child and i spend all day every day with them so i love that you emphasize the fact that even if you're an only child parent that you still can carve out that special dedicated one-on-one time where you're not just running an errand to the post office or the grocery store or doing homework together after school that there's like mindful, intentional time that you are spending with your child, whether you're an only parent child or, uh, you know, there's multiple siblings in the home. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for sharing that. I hope everyone heard that and are, you know, planning something on their calendar right now. Um, I want to ask you as well, because, you know, you talk about this a lot. Obviously, it's it's a big part of your book. Um, but I'd love to hear any other advice you have on how to raise a happy and thriving only child. What um, other advice do you have um, for parents out there that are doing that? Well, one, one um, chapter that I wrote in my book that a lot of people uh, found very interesting was my chapter about family traditions and family mission statements. And so, you know, sometimes when we think of big families, that's what we associate with family traditions and, um, you know, big holidays with lots of people around. But smaller families can also have very meaningful and wonderful family traditions. And I wanted to first talk a little bit about that. So I think family traditions are very important, no matter the family size. And family traditions are something that kids will really remember fondly as adults. So whether it's holiday-based traditions or everyday type of traditions, I just really, you know, think that those are incredible um, activities and events that you can create for your family. And you can do it anytime. You don't have to start when your child is born. You know, you can start wherever you are with it. And it can be something, you know, as small as a special Sunday breakfast that you do every Sunday or it can be a holiday tradition. So some maybe something for Halloween where you do a family costume or you decorate family pumpkins, you know, two or three pumpkins, depending on your family size. Or, you know, just other types of 
hol- uh, of milestone tr- types of traditions like for birthdays. Maybe your family decides to special to celebrate birthdays in a unique way. Um, you know, one family tradition that I found fun when I was talking to um, families for the book is celebrating half birthdays. And that's something that we do as well. We just make it a a fun tradition to celebrate half birthdays as well as birthdays. So half birthdays would just be a smaller celebration at home with, you know, we do half a cake and we just have like a little fun family party at home. But it's just something, you know, a, a fun tradition that I think is really memorable. And I think when kids grow up with some family traditions, it doesn't have to be a ton. That just leads for really wonderful memories when they're older. And then the other thing I thought um, I wanted to mention is about family mission statements. So this is something that I've always thought, you know, was a great concept. And that's to sit down with your family and figure out if you want to have your family focus on a cause or an activity. So for instance, maybe your family is a baseball family and your child um, is on a baseball team. You volunteer at the games. You socialize a lot with the team and do a lot of things with the team and maybe go to see baseball games. Or maybe your family is a Disney family and you make an annual trip to Disney and you, you know, watch the Disney movies and, you know, enjoy different Disney um, related events and activities and things like that. So having a family mission statement, whether it's um, a cause that your family believes in or specific volunteer work that your family wants to do, or even just kind of a general theme that your family believes in, that can be a really bonding um, way to just spend more time together, more quality time, and share common interests. I love that. I love that. I'm so inspired by you and your book. And I hope everyone goes out and buys it and reads it and, and shares it maybe with someone else that you know might be raising an only child um, to give them as well. So if you would just quickly share uh, where people can find you online and where people can find the book, um, I would love to share that with them. Sure. So the book can be found at all major bookstores. It can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, basically any retail store that sells books. Um, If you'd like to check out my website or connect with me, my website is www.rebeccagreenauthor.com. And that's green, like the color with an E at the end. So again, that's www.rebeccagreenauthor.com. So I would love it if readers want to reach out and connect. Um, or read a little bit about my other work on my website. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for all your time today. And again, congratulations on your book. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.
why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.